Welcome to her fullest potential. The community of women looking to minimize stress, maximize success, and live a more joyful life. It is time to rise together and start building the world we dream to live in. It starts with you, and it starts here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. Our guest today helps driven women lean into their careers, work less, play more, and celebrate their successes along the way. She's here to remind you of your worth and potential while guiding you to create your passion into purpose. She has been through the journey herself and is dedicated to guiding you on yours. So please welcome Brittany King. Thank you so much for being on today's episode. I'm super excited to have you here. Thank you, Charles. I am beyond excited to be here as well. So as you mentioned, you've been on the journey, right? From feeling stuck, uninspired, devitalized, and now have kind of found yourself on the other side. So do you mind just starting off with telling us about your journey and the story of where you are today? Oh my gosh. Yes. And it's so (laughs) interesting because there's just like, there's different chapters to this story. But if I went back to like, that time in my life where I felt stuck and undervalued, I was working at a job that I considered to be a dream job. I'm the type of person that follows breadcrumbs. I never like had this like vision of like what my life was going to be or what career I was going to be doing. And I just follow these breadcrumbs in my life and they bring these opportunities and I just take them. I'm like, well, this came into my life for a reason. So I started my career as a elementary school teacher, realized that was not the path for me, Uh, went into working for Lululemon because Lululemon is in the business of people and they help with personal development and transformation. And that was like the place to be for me because I was just in this like lost phase. I went to school for one thing and I was like, this isn't it. What am I doing with my life? Lululemon saved me. So that brought me to this place of becoming a spin instructor. And when I was a spin instructor, that was like the dream job. Like it was so much fun. I got to inspire and motivate people for a living. And I didn't realize that that could become a full-time gig. So that led into becoming a manager and program director of a local spin studio in Arizona. And that was it to me. I was like, I've made it. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I was teaching spin like 10 times a week. And I was managing instructors. I was training instructors. I am a teacher at my core. And it's always kind of followed me throughout my path. But I always love to teach people. I love to help them see their full potential. And that's what I did as a spin instructor. So I was helping them in this like transform. And I was helping my students transform like their moods. They would come in feeling like tired or blah. Like I taught 6 a.m. And they would leave feeling like revitalized. And then I'd be transforming the instructors I'd work with because they came wanting to teach, but had low self-confidence and had imposter syndrome. And I helped them get to the other side and like become these rock star instructors. So like, that's just what I did. And it was so much fun. So I thought that I had the dream job and it was a dream job until it wasn't. And throughout the process of working for this company, I had a lot of moments of this isn't it. (laughs) And I would just like, pause and I'd recognize this like inner voice being like, this can't be it. But I would ignore it because I'm like, shut up, Brittany. Like, this is everything you'd ever want. People would kill to have this job. And it just kept coming back. Like there's something more. And at that same time, the company I worked for, even though they were 
you know, health um, in the health and wellness, they didn't take care of their people and they completely undervalued them. And there was this moment in my life where I asked for a raise and I got denied so hard. I, it, it took me weeks to come up with the courage to ask because I was seeing what I was producing and I was seeing the revenue that my classes alone were bringing in. And it was a significant amount of money. I was getting a fraction of that. And I just was like, this is something's not right about this. It just didn't feel right here. I am providing all this value, bringing in like so many amazing people into our community and, and bringing in revenue. And I'm not getting compensated for it. At this point, I might as well have been working for free. I asked for a raise and I got denied. My boss told me that I was 27 years old. How, how much money do you think you're supposed to make? And I was like, oh. And then he was like, there's a line of people that could take your job tomorrow. So you can leave if you want. And I just remember like even talking about it, I can remember like my body just felt so unsafe. I just like wanted to hide and I wanted to like shrink and become a recluse. And I remember driving home and I get a call from HR who was in that meeting. She goes, Brittany, please don't quit. Please, please, please don't quit. We're going to figure this out. And I was like, I'm not going anywhere, but like, you're going to have to figure something out because I can't work for someone that talks to me like that. So fast forward, that planted a seed. He told me if I wanted to make more money, I was going to have to teach more, essentially work more. There was nothing more that I could do. So he basically told me that there was a limit to how much I could make. So I got curious. I was like, all right, like this can't be it. <laughs> this can't be it. So I started getting curious about like, okay, what, what am I good at? And at that time, I didn't think I was good at anything, which was not true, but I just was stuck. I was so stuck and I was so unhappy that every thought that I had was super negative, which isn't me. I'm a very positive, optimistic, glass half full kind of a gal. And I knew something was wrong because I couldn't find that light. So he did plant a seed and I was like, I'm never going to let anyone talk to me that way ever again, or tell me how much I can or cannot make. So I ran down this path of figuring it out. And there was no one telling me how to do it. I just had to do it on my own. And I would just take a step forward and I'd be like, is this it? Yes or no? I thought about real estate. I thought about working for another studio and like nothing was aligning. And I realized I needed to create it. I hit a ceiling and I needed to figure out how to break through that ceiling. So long story short, someone planted a seed about coaching. They were like, you're a really positive person. Like you should do this. And I was like, coaching, what's that? <laughs> Little did I know that that's actually what I was doing. That led me down the path of figuring out my health and wellness through coaching myself. I did a certification. I was like, oh, this is interesting. I wanted to learn a little bit more. So then I got into holistic coaching. And I was like, oh, this like really connects the mind, body, spirit. I'm like, I really like this. How, you know, the outer world is a reflection of your inner world. But then I wanted to understand a little bit more. So then I started to dig into life coaching and how our mindset is what's controlling our emotional experience. And that's where it all connected the dots. I was like, holy shit, this is the thing that has been missing. I was like, I was giving my power away all of this time, I was blaming the external circumstances for why I wasn't making more money or why I wasn't feeling valued. That wasn't their responsibility. That was my responsibility. And so in that moment of like really learning the skill of harnessing your mindset and how that controls how you feel and how you show up in the world and ultimately your results, there was no turning back. I was like, I need to help as many people with this because I know I'm not the only person that has been burnt out, undervalued in what they're doing, has been told that they can only make a certain amount of money. And I was like, all right, we're on to something here. And I just kept, again, like following those breadcrumbs and 
sharing my journey with people. And then they were like, tell me how you're doing this. And then that just kind of led me down this path into coaching. You know, funny enough, I could actually, I also used to teach elementary school. That's where my journey started. And then oh, it yeah. was a yoga teacher <laughs> and it was very similar. <laughs> such yeah. A similar <laughs> yeah. And I actually spoke to somebody actually a podcast guest yesterday, um, Emily Arth in, I think her episode launches in January and she said something great. Cause I spoke about that theme and she said something of like the importance of choosing the things not only that you love, but that love you back. Mm-hmm. And that love you back just as much as you love it, if not more. Mm-hmm. And so I love how, you know, in that moment with your, was it your boss? You said mm-hmm. your boss, when it was very clear that he wasn't giving that reciprocity and that, that mm-hmm. energy input and output actually wasn't reciprocated, that that was the moment you realized and your body and your emotions and your mind, like, oh, this actually isn't it. And I think that's such mm-hmm. a great piece of awareness to hold as mm-hmm. women, especially like asking, asking for what you want. Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing for a lot of people, especially <laughs> women. And mm-hmm. then to say, Oh, wait, I do want more. Like to actually know what you want and then to claim your desires is quite rebellious and mm-hmm. courageous in the modern day world. And so to use it as a signpost to say, even though that was hard and that's the way I'm feeling, I still want more. I think that's great that you really went for it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was like, when I think about like a turning point in my life, that was the biggest turning point. It was all, it was like, at that time, it was the worst thing ever because I stayed in that job for two more years, but I was working on figuring out what my next step was. And I, that's like what led me to creating um, a business because nothing else made sense to me. I was like, I I am in the business of helping people transform. Um, and I can't be in this container doing that anymore. So I was like, I got to create my own container, which I say that I'm an ac- accidental entrepreneur. I never had any intention. Like I was never that person was like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I, I even actually said the words, I will never own my own business back in the day. <laughs> and then fast forward to here we are four years later. And I couldn't imagine doing anything different. And I think a big part of it too, is being an example of what's possible. Like I want people to, especially women to look at me and be like, oh my gosh, if she can do it, I can do it. Cause like, I'm like, I don't have a secret sauce. Like I don't have anything that they don't have. Um, and I've done that. I've done that for so many of my clients. They're like, oh, oh, you're doing this. Like I could figure this out too. And that's each level that I get to, I'm continuing to like take women on that journey with me. So what are kind of the primary themes of transformation that you bring for your clients? So the first theme that we really work on is like connecting our mind, body, and spirit. It's like checking in with who we really are at our core, not what people tell us that we're supposed to be, but like really spending time getting to know her. Um, Because when you meet yourself where you're at, that's how you can transform, not trying to like, just jump right into something without like understanding who you really are and where, where you're currently at. So any transformation always starts with awareness. Like, why are we here? And then like, who are we, who are we supposed to be in this world? So spending time tapping into that, um, a big part of the transformation. And I call these miracles, um, or mindset switch perspective shifting. So looking at the world from the lens of this is happening to me and shifting it into this is happening for me. 
Like if you're going through a circumstance that you have no control over and it's really hard and it's creating all of this discomfort in your life, being able to acknowledge and be like, okay, this is for me. I don't know exactly what it is, but how can I use this experience? I call them like a curriculum that we're given to transform and become this next level. I used to like, when I first started, I was like, become the best version of yourself. And I like stopped saying that uh, a long time ago because you don't want to just stop at the best. You want to keep evolving to the next level. And each ne- each level you're met with different challenges, but you're also met with like different levels of fulfillment and joy. And that's just the duality of being a human. You know, here isn't better than there, but being able to like expand and to level up is just, I mean, that's the point of being a human, right? Like we're here to evolve and grow. If our cave cavemen, women, ancestors didn't come out of the cave, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation. So what are some of your favorite ways to help them do that? I know that, um, you know, affirmations is like really common mm-hmm. and one that we hear a lot, especially kind of on this Instagram space and like the social media space. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd be interested. What are some other ways that you help yeah. people actually shift their mindset and perspective? Um, great question. And like, you know, this is going to be an unpopular opinion. Um, affirmations don't work. <laughs> they're really that. pretty and they're cute. Yeah. And it's like fun to have like a pretty design. And like, I, you know, <laughs> they can work. They do work to a level, but it only works on a subconscious level or a conscious level. When we want to make actual mindset changes, we have to get to the subconscious. We have to get to the, like the dark crevices of like our mind. Um, and just having a pretty cute thought doesn't always do that because we don't believe it. There's cognitive dissonance. You're like, I want to believe it, but I can't because like, I've been thinking this other terrible negative thought about myself for so long that like just inserting, I love myself isn't, isn't going to do it. Why? Because we've been thinking one thought longer than the other. So that's the thing with affirmations, unless you're super committed to saying the affirmation out loud, writing it down, repeating it over and over and over and over and over again, until it gets into your subconscious, which does work. That is, but you have to be really committed to it. And it takes a long time. It takes a long time because if you're going against how many years of thinking another terrible thought, right? (laughs) not like people come to me, they're like, it didn't work. I'm like, how long, how many times did you think it? They're like, once. Like how many times did you think this other shitty thought? (laughs) Like I don't have, like the number doesn't exist because it's so many times. So, you know, the first thing that I, that I do with clients is I, I show them how like things work in the world, right? So there's circumstances, there's thoughts, there's feelings about the thoughts that we have about the circumstances. There's the actions that we take or we don't take. And then there's the results that come from those actions. So like the circumstances are things that we have zero control over, right? Which is like everything in the world, what people say, what they do, the weather, like everything. The things that we have control over are the way that we think, which creates how we feel. So that's how I shift people back into their power. Because a lot of times people will come to me and they're going to say, like for me, for example, when my boss told me that I couldn't make any more money, I blamed him. I was like, I feel devitalized because of what he said, but that's actually not what happened. What happened was my thoughts about what he said made me feel that way, made me feel undervalued because my thought was he doesn't see my value. He doesn't see my worth. And I was in a powerless place because it was his fault. I was blaming him. It's not his fault. It's my responsibility to stay in my power by having thoughts of like, I know how valuable I am. 
So that's what I do with my clients versus help them see that relationship with their thoughts about the circumstances, the things that we don't have control over, because we cannot control so much in our life, but we absolutely have control over what we think about it. Now we have a lot of primary thoughts that just come up automatically, like an automatic negative thought because it's been wired. It's a thought pattern. It's a habit. So sometimes we can't choose that first thought because it just zings out of you, but with awareness and compassion, you have the ability to come up with a different thought afterwards. So I always tell my clients, like we take off the hat of judgment because we judge ourselves, right? We're like judging ourselves for having these thoughts or having emotions. And we invite in compassion and curiosity. So in the instance of my boss telling me that like, I couldn't make any more money. And I thought I was thinking I'm not valuable. Like I'm not worth, like I'm not worth making more. It would be my responsibility to get curious of like, well, what does that actually mean? Like, why, why am I thinking that? Or if you're feeling a really intense emotion, like checking in with like, oh, that's interesting. Like, why am I feeling this way? What was I thinking right before I felt unworthy? But we don't spend time doing that. We have an emotion or thought and we bat it away. I call it whack-a-moles. Like, no, can't deal with it. (laughs) And like, for me, I was, I am a very, I'm very positive person. um, But I, that was a defense mechanism because I was like, told that when I was younger, that she's just always happy. So I thought that the goal of life was to be happy all the time. And so when I was younger and I wasn't happy, I thought something was wrong with me, but I never talked about it because I had to be the happy one. So what did I do? I shoved all of my sadness. I shoved any shame, any, anything that I felt that was a negative emotion, I shoved it away. And so by doing this work, I realized that like both emotion, like sad, like you don't know sadness without happiness. You need the duality of it. And I didn't understand that. I was like, nope, only feel good. Toxic positivity was like, I was swimming in that for so long. And I didn't realize how detrimental that was to myself, but also the people that I was interacting with. So once I began to become comfortable with negative emotions and like be compassionate and like love on myself in that way, that's when things changed for me in my life and my business and and in my client's life is like helping them realize that you can't have like this fulfillment and joy without acknowledging the discomfort on the other side of it. Like if you want to get to that place, you got to go through the difficult emotions that we're pushing up against. Do you feel like you're sprinting just to keep up and left overwhelmed and exhausted by the demands of life? If so, you are not alone. Here at her fullest potential, we show busy women how to reduce anxiety and still achieve their greatest successes. Because you perform at your best when you feel your best. We bring you Calm On Demand, a free training to help you shift out of surviving and into thriving on your own terms. We know you are meant for so much more. Head over to herfullestpotential.com to grab your copy today. Because we rise together. I secretly also kind of love that you just named the kind of the limitations of affirmations because I kind of like, a pet. I mean, 
I practice them. It's not that I don't ever use them and I actively intervene with my thoughts, but they are so limited in their effectiveness because they don't actually honor the complexity of the wholeness of who we are as people and that the past does live in the present. And our relationship to the future does live in the present and mm-hmm. that all of these layers are omnipresent <laughs> yeah. and the relationship we have with ourselves in the past and the potential future and all this stuff is stewing in the same pot, which can arise in the body. It can arise in the thoughts and in the emotions. Mm-hmm. And so recognizing the complex web of that all of those interconnections is so necessary to actually successfully change the health of your mind. Because yeah. when we think about mental, mental health, mental wellness, okay, we think, what do you think of like a healthy body, right? It's like a body that's free of toxins. It moves with ease. It's strong. It's supple. You know, it sleeps well. It's the same thing with the mind. I think a lot of people don't know what a healthy mind even looks like. Right. And so it's kind of the same concept. Well, you know, it's, it has maybe not completely free of toxins because neither is the body, but mm-hmm. it has fewer <laughs> toxic right. patterns. It's flexible. It can move here. It's strong, but supple, right? It can rest with ease. And if we're just trying to fight thought with thought constantly, I feel like we're just, what I find is that people end up kind of in an internal war with themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they're left with thinking, what's wrong with me? Why isn't it working? Right. So I love that. That's kind of why I wanted to ask is to, Hey, just inquire, but also to see, you know, what is your, your yeah. offering and how do you do that? Because it is so complex. And so I think you spoke really well to the web of what it means to be a human. Yes. And so to take that a step further, um, the way that I work with clients, um, past affirmations. Cause I do, I'm like, I do affirmations. I tell people like, you have to try on new thoughts and you have to practice them. But the way that you like break through that, like dissonance or like the disbelief of the, the negative thought about yourself or whatever the thought might be, um, is through questions. So a lot of times we are asking ourselves the wrong question and think about it. Like whenever there's a question, we have to find an answer. Like our brain is constantly searching for an answer, but we're always asking questions. And when we're asking ourselves disempowering questions, you're going to find an answer. And guess what? Those answers are going to be pretty disempowering. Those thoughts, they're not going to lead to feeling very good. But when you ask yourself the right question, when you ask yourself an empowering question, your brain's going to answer it and it's going to answer it with empowering thoughts. So, you know, for example, if you're trying to affirm, like, I love myself, right? Like I love myself. It's not working. You want to ask yourself, why, why do I love myself? And you don't have to go search for the answer. The answer is going to download into you because your brain is going to try to answer it. So a lot of times, like with disempowering questions, I mean, I used to ask myself all the time, I do something and I'd mess up and I'd ask myself, what's wrong with you? Well, when you ask yourself, what's wrong with you, guess what's going to happen? Like here, well, how much time do you have, Brittany? I have a whole file, I have a whole file of thoughts and all the things you've done in the past that's wrong with you, right? But if you ask yourself, hey, what's right with you? You're going to get a lot of empowering answers, a lot of empowering thoughts. So questions are amazing. And this is why coaching is so powerful because the coaching, you don't go into a session being like, I know I have all the answers for you. Like I don't have the answers for my clients. They actually have the answers within them. They just need to be asking better questions. So I truly believe the quality of our life is based off of the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves 
daily. And so when you're at, like, you'll start to notice, like when you ask yourself a question, you'll notice if it's empowering or disempowering based off of the answers that you provide and how those answers make you feel. Yeah. It reminds me of some advice I received from a mentor years ago when I was really struggling with anxiety. And at the time it was social anxiety and we kind of just broke down my experience of it. And we were, there was probably like 20 of us sitting around. It was just such a wholesome, sweet evening. I had no external reason to be anxious, right? We were like playing music and it was a potluck and it was just lovely and relaxed. And I knew all the people there, but for some reason I was having all this tension. And so the way I was talking to myself, I was like, Chelsea, stop. I was like literally physically kind of shaking because I was, I was physically very tense. And I said, Chelsea, stop shaking. You look stupid. Like you look weird. What are you doing? Stop it. And because I'm like, be cool, Chelsea, be cool. (laughs) People are going to look at you like, what's wrong with this girl? So when I shared that, that was a thought. Uh, that I was having, which I didn't really, really, really realize until I externalized it. And she said, next time that happens, talk to yourself as you would speak to a child and just mm-hmm. see how it changes. And so I caught myself next time, didn't realize that's how I was always talking to myself until I noticed the pattern. And mm-hmm. then, and then the second time it was like, okay, I see that you're, you're struggling. What would make you feel better? And essentially my nervous system was just overstimulated. I was a full-time yoga teacher teaching 12 to 20 classes a week. I was always around people. I was always talking to people and I just needed some personal space. Like I just needed a minute. And so I said, you know, just go out. I need to step outside for a minute and just like come back to myself. And so I did. I, okay, let's just go outside. You know, of course, well, they're going to think you're weird. It's okay. I'm with you. You know, like speak to yourself like yes. you were a child. And it completely changed not only yeah. the way I interacted with the experience and then therefore knew how to take care of myself in the future, but the way that I felt um, yeah. as a result. And mm-hmm. and so anyway, it just reminded me of that because that was really um, a big shift in how I interacted with my own experience when I was not you know, quote, the way I wanted to be, for example, or whatever. <laughs> yes. I, so, and that's I the thing that. is like beating yourself where you're at and like having that conversation and like that, that's compassion and curiosity. Oh, like I see that like you're uncomfortable, like what's going on? What do you need? And just yeah. being able to do that is it, that practice in and of itself is a game changer. Yeah. 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 Cause I found that I didn't feel as afraid of being with myself. <laughs> like, right. Gosh, this girl's so mean to me. <laughs> right. I'm like get it together. Like, yeah. Get it together. It's like, or it's like, Oh, what do you need? Oh, you need to go outside. Like you're overstimulated. You spend the majority of your time, like pouring out your energy. Like, oh, like, but without that awareness, what you would ask later on is like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Right. And then your brain exactly. is just further like your, wherever you direct your brain, it's always seeking evidence to whatever thought you have, whatever belief you have. So yes it's going to be collecting this evidence. So it's like, Oh, put this in the file of what's wrong with you. Like social anxiety, like you're awkward in social settings, like (laughs) file that away and what's wrong with you. But if we spend more time of like understanding ourselves, that file gets smaller. So I know one big piece that you like to talk about. Um, and I want to kind of shift gears into is, is money. Mm -hmm. And so through the conversation we've had so far, there has been the pillar of value that Mm -hmm. kind of the experience of feeling devalued and wanting more Mm -hmm. was the turning point for you, as well as 
you know, your own personal journey and professional journey with mm-hmm. the experience of breaking through those limitations of self-defeat. So mm-hmm. can you talk about how money plays a role into that and why it's important for women or anybody, but especially women to be empowered in the relationship with money? Oh my gosh. Yes. There's so <laughs> many layers to that because I always say, so I was born very privileged. I'd say I was born, I mean, joke because like I was born with a silver soup spoon in my mouth. And this is like a literal and um, a figurative spoon. Um, and then just, I was, there was ripped out of my mouth and I was like hit over the head with it, basically like very privileged, but then divorce. And then everything after that was like, there was always a fight around money. And so at a very early age, I learned that money is, is bad. Like, or, or there wasn't enough money. And I also learned that talking about money would lead to fighting. So I just, I always kind of had this aversion to money. And I remember when I got hired for this job, which was a dream job, I was young. I was in my um, mid early, early twenties. And so when they asked me how much I like, you know, wanted to make, I was like, it's just, I don't care. Like, I don't care. Like I'm, I'm not doing it for the money. If I could go back and have a conversation with younger Brittany and be like, okay, so this is what we're going to talk about. Um, but like, it was just kind of, yeah, <laughs> I was like, girlfriend, like, come on now. And like, maybe like, I think we've all kind of had that experience. Like I'm not doing it for the money and there's different beliefs, different things that we've learned as our society around money and especially around women and money and how wanting it is, you know, selfish or we're like, we just spend it on things that don't matter. And just kind of, there's this narrative around money. We all kind of have this, like, and I don't want to generalize, but I would say most of the women that I work with or the people in my life, like we talk about money a lot because we have some stuff we need to heal with our money wound. Um, so I was in this part of my life. I was 27. Um, I was dating Brian, my, um, he's my boyfriend at the time. Now he's my husband. He's a financial advisor. His relationship with money is just, I I admire it so much. I'm like, you are like how you view money is just so normal. And he doesn't get it because that's just all he knows. His dad is an accountant. He's a financial advisor. Like to them, money is just a neutral thing. But to me, I'm like, money is terrible. The first time we talked about money, I was hysterically crying. I shut down. I totally disassociated. And he was like, what's going on? And I couldn't figure it out. Um, But then after processing and working through it, I was like, oh, because I witnessed my parents fight about money. And it was like the scariest fight that I like would leave my body. And I'm talking to my partner about money. And I left my body because I thought he was going to like want to not be with me because of money. So that was a really big piece in starting my business because I was like doing what I was doing for free. I was like, I didn't want to charge for it. I was really afraid to ask for, for money. Um, I actually found my notes from when I first started, I was charging people $50 a session. And I just, cause I didn't believe in my value. I didn't believe in the value that I was providing. So I had to do a lot of work on this because um, you know, I, I needed to make an income. Like, I was like, I was like, I got to figure this out or else I'm going to have to go work for someone else again. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. That wasn't in my desires. So money plays such a big part into just like how we show up and what we do in this world and our relationship 
with money because our relationship with money, we're either repelling it or we're bringing it into our lives. And at that time I was repelling it. I was terrified. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to look at it. So I like to view money now. And this is what I work on with my clients is money as a person, like, as it like something outside? Like if we were, if this was live, I would draw two stick figures so you could see visually, but there's me. And then there's money and money is this person, right? And what a relationship is, is your thoughts about another person, right? So if my thoughts about money as a person are, I don't want you, or like you just bring bad into my life, or there's just never enough. If that was a person, would that person want to hang out with me or stick around? Like, definitely not. They have no interest. They'd be like, okay, peace out, Brittany. But that's what happens with money. Like money is that energy exchange. So if I'm sitting over here being like money is bad, there's not enough of it. Like my relationship is literally repelling money from coming into my life. So I had to heal that. I had to understand that. And how you do that is through understanding your thoughts, understanding your beliefs. What is a belief? A belief is a thought that you've thought so many times that you think it's the truth. So I used to think it was the truth that like talking about money led to fighting. I used to believe that the truth that there just wasn't enough. So there was just so much scarcity and fear around how I viewed money and it wasn't allowing it to come into my life. And so I love working on this with women. I love talking about this because I believe that we should all be making a shit ton of money because when women have money, they can do so much good in this world. Not saying guys can't do it too, but like there is just like, especially with like the heart centered, soul centered people that we love to work with, like by having more money, there is like, you just have more access to do more things for yourself and other people. I believe that having more money allows you to be genuinely more of who you want to be. And I had to change all of that. Cause I used to think people that had money were rude. I used to think that people that had money are like, had something I didn't have. I used to be like, oh, they're smarter than I am. Like these were all of my beliefs around money. So of course I wasn't making what I deserved to make because I didn't believe that it was possible. So by changing how I viewed money about the relationship, like I had to heal that. I had to be like, all right, money, we're going to, we're going to figure this out together. I love you. It's so fun to have you. I love like what we can do together. And that started to like shift how I viewed it and like how money was coming into my life. So that was the first step. And this is what I do with my clients is like, what's the relationship? What are your beliefs? Everything starts with beliefs because beliefs control how we show up, how we feel, how we act. So that was the first step. And then the second step is understanding how you make money because people think that like, and I, this was me. I thought that like, I work for someone and I do the job and then I get a paycheck and that's it. So I thought like, this is the limit. This is all I can make. What I actually learned is money is an exchange of value. It's an energy. It's a current. It's like, I read the book, You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Shinchiro like 15 times. That changed everything for me. Like changing my money story and my beliefs and having those affirmations, right? Asking myself questions of like, why is money flow easily to me? Why do I love making money? And that changed how I thought about it. So then I learned like, all right, so how do you make more money? You provide value into the world. I didn't believe in my value and worth. And that was my job. I had to figure that out. The once I figured out like what value I provide, it was so much easier to give that to people because I'm like, oh, I have this. I have this special sauce. This is my value. I'm going to give you this value. And then in return, I'm going to get paid for it. That's incredible. 
So then I'm like, how much more value can I provide? I want to provide more value than what value I'm getting in return, because I believe that it comes back. I think that's the law of the universe. It's not just in that moment. We think that it is. We think, you know, I used to be like, okay, well, I'm working this much and then I'm not working anything else because that's how much I'm getting paid. That was my mindset. So limiting because I wasn't doing anything more. I wasn't providing any more value because I didn't think I was getting any value in exchange. The interesting thing about it is the value that I provided has come back like tenfold. Like I can't even, like it it blows my mind. The value that I used to provide and give to so many people years later are still coming back to me. Like I still have people that reach out to me that took my spin class almost six years ago. And they're like, I'll just never forget how that class made me feel. And then they reach out to me and they're interested in what I'm doing coaching wise. I was like, this is how it works. I wasn't like waiting for the exchange to happen right then and there. I'm just leading with my heart. I'm leading with service. And then 10, five years later, six years later, it comes back around. I'm like, oh, this is how it works. So like, as I'm like creating content or even just interacting with people, I'm like, how can I serve you? Like, what is something that I can do for you to help you? Not expecting anything in return, but like, how can I lead with my heart? How can I lead with service, with love? So that was like the next piece is like, what is the value that I provide and how can I over deliver on that value? And then the last piece, which has been super interesting, and this is like the next part of my journey. And I'm like, I tell my clients, I'm like, I'm not over here. I'm like just a step or two in front of you. Like I'm just walking in this journey of life with you. Um, but this last piece is so important because we didn't, I didn't understand how this worked either, because there's a difference between earning, there's a difference between saving. There's a difference between spending and there's a difference between having. And we always just want to check in when we're doing this action of spending. How does that feel? Like when you pay for something, does it feel open? Do you feel abundant about it? Or you're like, oh, like, how am I going to pay for that? Because again, that comes back to your relationship with money. When you're saving, is it from scarcity? Is it from fear? Because again, that's going to block you. But or if you're saving from a place of responsibility with something that's delayed later on down the road, that's different, different type of energy. And then earning, like, how do you feel when you're earning? Do you feel like you're getting what you're, you're worth? Do you feel like you're taking the bare minimum? Like, what, what is that energy exchange? And then this is the most important piece is like the having, the capacity to have. So this is the reason why lottery winners spend the money faster than they get it, right? Like how many stories have we heard about someone hitting the jackpot and then going into bankruptcy? It's like every time, right? The reason being is they don't have the capacity to have that much. They're still, they, they acquired a certain amount of money without the mindset, the capacity to keep, to have it, right? To not spend it right away. And that's like the journey that I've been on is like, I need to learn how to increase my capacity. I need to learn how to increase my mindset around the amount of money that I'm currently making. Cause like you can make a ton of money, but it doesn't matter if you just spend it all. So that limit, right. It's like, it's called an upper limit. Like that upper limit blocks all of the positive emotions that come through with having the amount of money that you want to have. So that, you know, I think that was like one of the like aha moments for me was like, oh my God, my capacity to have, I need to work on increasing that capacity. So when you say capacity, do you mean, and yeah, do you mean like the actual management of that high number of 
income? Mm-hmm. Or do you mean the neurological, emotional, mental capacity to receive um, and be in abundance? Both. I figured, but I wanted to ask. (laughs) Yeah, great question. Great follow-up question, both. Because if you don't have the emotional capacity to have it, it's like, that's why we self-sabotage. And it's not just with money, it's in relationships, right? If we're like in an, an amazing relationship and it's going better than you ever could have imagined, but you don't have the capacity to receive that love. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I used to do all the time. I used to just sabotage all of the relationships because my capacity to have love, my capacity to experience the feel good emotions that come with it was so small. So over time, like it, you, it's, it's hard to like go from like zero to a hundred, you have to do it in incremental changes. And I feel like that's like what you do with your clients. Well, and I would imagine too, just, you know, building capacity in that way that there's an inherent link to value in a sense of self value, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. would then kind of immediately play into the amount of money coming into your life. If you feel like your value is limited, yeah. um, then the amount of literal monetary value coming in would also be limited. Is that something that you found that there's a direct link between those two? Yeah. I mean, uh, with the value and then also like the worthiness and deserving, like, like, I think that's what the underlying thing is that always comes down to. Um, I've run into this a lot recently, just becoming a new mom and ever like, it's just, everything is amazing. And I hit this upper limit of like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is everything you could have ever wanted and more. And I hit this upper limit of like, well, it's too good to be true. Something bad's going to happen. And then it just like, like, I'm like any feel good emotion that was trying to come through just like instantly gets muddled. And, um, it comes down to like, I, like I, there's like this inherent part of me that I'm, I'm, I think it's a lifelong think every level I get to it's a lifelong work of not feeling deserving or worthy of it. Like that. It just like miraculously happened. And like, I did like, it's just all going to get taken away. Cause I don't deserve this, this yeah. good of feeling. Um, and that's like, I think that's lifelong work. I think every, every level I get to, I've always had to address it. And it just like, it's more insidious because it's trying to hide because I'm more aware of it. So it tries to hide in like different types of like manifestations. And I'm like, you can't hide unworthiness. Like I know that you're coming (laughs) for me, Um, but it's definitely like every level I get to, I'm like, oh, there it is again. But it, it shows up differently than in the past. So what are some of your favorite ways to work with unworthiness? Oh, my favorite thing is reminding myself it's a choice. Like I just, I get to decide if I'm worthy or deserving. Like there's no manual out, like there's nothing outside of me that gets to decide that there was something in my life when I was younger that I determined that I wasn't. And I always felt that there was something inherently wrong with me. Um, and I've through this work, through this life's work, realizing that there's nothing wrong with me and it's all a choice. Like worthiness is a choice. And so I just have to wake up every single day and choose to be worthy. I think that's beautiful. It kind of comes back to the the self-dialogue and how we actually hang out with ourselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if a part of you is saying, no, I choose for you to not be worthy, that stick figure is going to think, oh my gosh, this kind of sucks. I don't really like this. I don't hang out here, right? (laughs) I don't know if I like this. Um, Yeah. And that's when we leave our bodies. That's when it's like, well, shoot, like spirit just like, like, I don't want to like, really, this is the environment that you're creating for me to like live in. Like that doesn't feel very good. I looked at my husband the other day, I was petting my dog and 
doing the whole like, you're such a good girl and I love you so much and you're so pretty and I love how cooperative you are. And I was just giving all these compliments and I looked at him, I said, can you imagine how different the world would be if we all talked to ourselves and each other the way we spoke to our dogs? said that before I'm like man and we and that's what this work is it's like talk to yourself the way that you would talk to some something like your dog or baby (laughs) you love because that's who needs to hear it it's not like this current version of yourself all of this stuff is like our younger version it's our child it's our inner child and a lot of it's our inner teenager too yeah the teenage years (laughs) teenage years I'm like Still, still have to work on that inner teenager. Like oh, she's such a rebel. So she like loves to mm-hmm. rebel against all the things that I, that current president Brittany knows that are going to be really helpful for her. Um, she's a very big rebel. Yeah. That's almost like a completely different can of worms, but yeah. I, um, yeah, the, there's not really a lot of space culturally for like the rebellious teenager, which is like what they're supposed to do is call the adults out on their bullshit and be like, this needs to change. Yeah. So like, we actually need that to create the checks and balances in our natural system, but we just totally shut it down. And so yeah. um, I think that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of people have heard of like the inner child, but just for anyone that's listening that may think, oh, Hmm. Never heard of the inner teenager before. <laughs> and maybe I can relate to that. A feeling uh, like, yeah. Especially as teenage girls, pre pre women. I don't know. That's kind of like in between stage mm-hmm. sexuality, your voice, pro- like anything that is uncomfortable just can immediately get shut down. So I think yeah. that's a really important um, archetype and part of us to welcome yeah. to the table and like learn how to direct your energy well <laughs> instead of yes. just like rebel against even the things that are are helpful for us um so yeah I, like, that's I love point. that you said that like bringing all parts to the table um I am not an expert in internal family systems um, my sister loves it and I've been learning about it through Gabby Bernstein but there's all these different parts of ourselves and they all need a seat at the table We have to acknowledge and have these conversations with these parts of ourselves. That's what makes us whole. Yeah. When I speak about leadership, I love to talk about it in regards to circular. Like how can we have a circular leadership? Meaning all parts are of equal value and Mm -hmm. our roles can shift. So whoever is facilitating doesn't mean that they're more important or -hmm. that they're more valuable. They just are the facilitator. And then but then like maybe the inner teen becomes the facilitator and then like the inner grandmother becomes a facilitator and yeah. it's allowing those roles to shift according to what their strengths are. Um, yes. So anywho, it's kind of, it's kind of like a totally different can of worms from, but it's, but it's a part of it. It is a part of becoming more skillful with that inner dialogue that creates our feelings, our beliefs, and therefore the reality of our life. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that you mentioned that you have to wake up every day and make the choice to choose your value, your worthiness, your deservingness. <laughs> uh, because, you know, the reality is most people can relate to the feeling of not feeling enough. Mm-hmm. And the reality also is it doesn't happen overnight, typically. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. it might happen overnight, but then you've put in weeks or months or years of work for that overnight shift to happen. <laughs> like, yeah. It does. It takes time. It takes, and this is like years in the making. And no one gets out scot-free. And so I think a lot of people like to think, uh, like they don't realize that they're thinking, oh, this is never going to work for me. Yeah. There's something wrong with me. They'll see someone on the other side and think, yeah. oh, I'm not there. I never will be. Exactly. But yep. for everyone. No matter what stage you're in, if you want to keep moving forward, it's the willingness to wake up and make a choice, which requires action and discipline and effort. But 
regardless, there's effort either way. One is more conscious and one is more unconscious. So I appreciate that you shared that because obviously you have transcended many layers of the journey and that you're continuing to make that choice every day. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. It's conscious choice. It's so much easier to be unconscious and just accept things like this is just it. This is as good as it gets. And and, and honestly, some, like it's not like consciousness is better than unconsciousness. It's just different because it's a lot more work that goes into it. But everything that you want and desire is in the place of consciousness is being aware. So it is a conscious choice. And there are days that I unconsciously don't choose that it's a choice. And those days are really shitty. <laughs> <laughs> I give my power away on those days, right? It's like, I didn't give myself the space to choose my worthiness, to choose my value, to choose my enoughness. It's come up a lot with motherhood, like of enoughness. I'm like, wait a second. I thought I've worked on this again. Like, right. where did this come from? And again, I have to choose. I'm like, I know that I am enough for this little human and what I'm doing is enough. Um, and she, she reminds me of that every single day. So, you know, it's like a lifelong, that's why I love to bring it up. Cause it's like, this isn't just like you snap your fingers and it happens. It's just constant, uh, but it's yeah. so worth it to me. Everything that I've ever wanted and more is because of doing this work. Beautiful. So if anybody wants to explore this and your services further, where can they go to find you and what offerings do you have? Yeah. Well, so I also have a podcast. Chelsea was on it too. Yes. I had this conversation. <laughs> we just love chatting um, called Positively Real. Um, so you can listen on any of your you know, favorite listening um, platforms. Um, and I have, so I have two things going on. When is this going live? Uh, 2023. So probably end of January. End of January. February. Okay. Awesome. Um, so I have two things going on. Um, the first thing that... I welcome everyone to join is the mind over matter membership where we dive into these topics in community and there are different workshops, different challenges, but it's really a space to level up your mindset, mindset to level up your life. And there's just something really powerful about being in community doing that because often we feel that our problems are our own problems. But when you hear other people are struggling with the same thing, you're like, Oh, you too. Like it's not just a me thing. And you also get space from your problems. So when you hear someone else that's like challenged by something and they're getting coached on it and they can identify with it without being so emotionally attached because it's not them talking about it, that's where transformation happens. So we do that in community in the Mind Over Matter membership. So you can join us over there. It's tons of fun. Um, and then the other thing that if that I'm working, that I've created um, is the Activator Blueprint. So what that is, is a business career coaching container to help you grow and scale a sustainable business that is reflects the life that you want to live. So no burnout, no overwhelm, like finding fun and flow with it also within community because building a business is super lonely and it's just so much more fun when you do it with people and you just learn the step-by-step -step way to create something that you can sustain so that you can live your life. Like that's yes. the whole point is like, right. that's why we're doing this. Like no point in creating something if you don't have any time to live. So it's really designing and building a business around a life that you want to live. So that's what I have going on. Depending on what my one-on-ones um, -on are like, I, I only have three a quarter. So they might be available. They might not. But like, if you just want to chat, I love chatting. So we can just hop on a call and see how I can help you. And where can people find you in these 
So um, you can go to brittanyking.com. All the information's on there. You can also hang out with me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram all the time. I um, (laughs) am constantly sharing things that I'm learning. I think that like, because I'm a teacher at heart and Chelsea, like you can totally relate to this is like at our core, we're teachers. So we just naturally learn something and just want to teach it. Like that's just what we do. So I'm constantly teaching, sharing, um, a, a lot of dancing. Um, I am a aspiring dancer. Some of my best friends are great dancers. And so I just think through osmosis that I'm a great dancer, which I'm not, but I pretend that I am. And it's so much fun. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, if I like to always ask and, and interviews with just kind of any last words of wisdom you want to share. So sometimes that's a quote or like a brief story, mm-hmm. um, something that you just think is important to share for the end of the episode. So something that I wish that I would have learned when I was my teenage years, even maybe before is don't believe everything you think. It's so important to question every thought that enters your brain, like deciding if it's going to help you become more who you want to be or less, because we have these thoughts and we just take them for face value as just what they are. And it's up to us to question them. So you are not your thoughts. You are not your emotions. You are so much more than that. So that's, those are my parting words is don't believe everything that you think. Wonderful. Got our, our uh, next t-shirt coming up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have like a couple of like slogans. I got to put that on a shirt. I also have like, be kind to your mind. I'm like, mm. like I got lots of slogans to throw out, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's my favorite one today. Perfect. That's what came to me today. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for being on the episode today. This has been super fun. Obviously you are a wealth of knowledge and Yes, your energy is so radiant and contagious. So anyone that's listening that wants to keep working or explore Brittany further, I please urge you to do so. Um, You're definitely such a light in this world. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Chelsea. This was so much fun. I love these conversations. I'm looking forward to continuing having them. Wasn't that amazing? If you want to stay up to date on more incredible offerings, Be sure to subscribe and rate the podcast and find me on Instagram and LinkedIn to join the community of people who are obsessed with reaching their fullest potential. As always, may you walk with grace and courage, and we'll see you next time.